Daniel was an old man, probably in his mid-80s. He'd grown up most of his whole life in a foreign land with people that did not know his language, did not know his customs, did not know his God. And yet God used Daniel in a very powerful way. God used Daniel to interpret dreams for the king of Babylon. God used Daniel to uh, really stir up a true spiritual awakening in a very dark, dark place. God also opened up the veil, if you will, and, and allowed Daniel to look in and see a glimpse of the unseen world. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what Daniel saw that was beyond what we normally see. We're in a series called Unseen. And I want to show you this glimpse because when we look at this glimpse of Daniel, we're going to see something about the world around us. So once you get your Bible, open up to uh, Daniel chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right there in front of you. We'll put the page number up on the screen so you can follow along. Daniel chapter 10 is uh, where we are today. And uh, by the way, I'm going to be talking today about angels and demons. And there's so much information that I'm trying to squeeze into a short amount of time. So I've decided to put all the content in the notes that are on our church app. So if you have our church app and you open it up and go to sermon notes, you can pull out all the content, all the cross references, all the biblical references there for you to follow along this morning or if you wanna just study it on your own later in the week, okay? We're at Daniel chapter 10, beginning of verse two. This is the word of God. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth. I didn't even put on uh, any oil on my body until the three weeks were over. Now, hold on just a minute. Daniel is mourning. Daniel's upset. Daniel's crying out to God. Why? Because Daniel longed for the people of Israel to, to repopulate Israel. The whole nation had pretty much been drug off to exile in Babylon. And now the king had decreed it was okay for some to return and some to rebuild Jerusalem and some to rebuild the temple. But it had been a couple of years and it still not had been done. And so Daniel's worried, will, will Jerusalem ever be rebuilt? Will the temple ever be, ever be restored? And so he's crying out to God and he's mourning and he's fasting. And he's asking God to move. And that's exactly what happens. Let's look at verse 4. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the brilliance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it, but a great terror fell on them, and he ran and hid, and I was left alone looking at this great vision. No strength was left in me. My face grew deathly pale, and I was powerless. I heard the words he said, 
And when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Suddenly, a hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. And he said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I am saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me. For from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days. For the vision refers to those days. Now stop right there. Last week, when we opened up the series Unseen, we said that there's a world behind the world we see. There's a world behind the natural world that we experience every single day. Now, in this passage, it kind of opens up and we see something about that world. We see that that world that is unseen is a world in conflict. It's a world in conflict. You see this picture of angels and demons in conflict with one another. Now, you know, when we talk about angels and demons, that's something that you've heard of before. You probably uh, talked about before. Our culture is incredibly enamored with the unseen world and with angels and demons. I mean, I, I'm continually amazed by how many movies that are out there now that are about the paranormal, about de the demonic, about demon possession, about this kind of thing. I mean, you can see it at the theater, you see it on primetime TV, you can see it on Netflix and all kinds of uh, other, other venues. Uh, there's a lot of interest. And so the question is, are angels and demons like what we see in the movies, or are they something different? Usually what we see in the movies, demons are very dark, powerful, sinister, grotesque creatures that are to be feared. And angels are usually kind of made up to be kind of these fumbling people that kind of stumble around, they're kind of portly guy with a big white robe on and a kind of crooked halo and tiny wings and a harp, right? Is that, is that what angels are really like? Is that what demons are really like? I mean, certainly we don't need to go to the movie theater and get our theology, right, about the unseen world. We need to go to God's word. What does the Bible say about angels and demons? What are they really like? How do they interact with one another? How do they interact with us? What should we do in response to what Bible says about angels and demons? That's what we're going to talk about today. And many of you, uh, we asked you uh, on social media this week, we asked you if you would send in your questions about angels and demons. And many of you did that. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, many of the questions you asked, we are going to address in this message. Uh, some of them we're not able to get around to just for the sake of time. Uh, but thank you for submitting your questions. And let me just say from the very beginning that just like I said last week, I'm going to repeat it again because it's really important. There are two great extremes we can run when we talk about the unseen world. One is to be infatuated with it. To, to be enamored with it, to be curious, to, to seek out and to try to find out more about angels, more about demons and, and kind of play in that area. And, and, and the Apostle Paul said in, in Colossians that that actually separates us or moves us away from, from our center focus, which is on Jesus and the gospel. So we don't need to be infatuated or to be attracted by it, nor should we do the opposite extreme, and that is to ignore the reality of it. 
I don't want you to say, well, I don't really know that much about it. We never talked about it in church. I guess I'll find out from the movie theater what angels and demons are like. We don't want to do either extreme. We just want to say, what does the Bible say? So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to teach you what does the Bible say about angels and demons. I'm not going to sensationalize it. I'm not going to glamorize it. I'm just going to give you the truth. Amen? Amen. And that's where we start this morning. So what does the Bible say about angels? What does the Bible say about angels? Here's a definition. Angels are created spiritual beings that love God, uh, that have high intellect, and do not have physical bodies. Angels were created by God, and they were created before the earth was created, because Job talks about how the angels celebrated in the creation of the world. And though they are spiritual beings and they don't have physical bodies, there are times when God reveals to us angels. There are times when in God's sovereignty, he chooses to open our eyes to them, then we can see them. Otherwise, they are, for the most part, unseen. When they are seen, they are terrifying. Angels are not the little portly guy with the crooked halo. They, angels are terrifying creatures. I mean, the first words that an angel usually says to a, a human is, don't be afraid. Why? Because you are seriously afraid when you see an angel. And I think this is a picture of an angel right here in verse 5 and 6. You just get a look at it. He's got a belt of gold. He's got a translucent body. He's got a face like lightning. He's got eyes like fire. He's got the roar in his voice. He's a powerful, powerful This is no precious moments cherub, right, that you put on your window seal, all right? Far better than that, far greater than that. Angels are powerful, created beings. And yet, they have limitations. Many of the questions that you asked this week were about the limitations of angels. What can they do? What can they not do? So let me give you a couple of things that we've studied and learned uh, about what angels cannot do. What are their limitations? Here are a couple of them. One is they cannot marry and they don't reproduce. Angels don't get married in heaven. They don't have little angel couples. Uh, and they don't have little angel babies. Okay? They are created. There's a certain number of them and that's all they will be. God created them. Uh, number two, they, they do not die. They are eternal creatures. So angels will spend eternity in heaven, uh, serving God, uh, demons eternity in hell. They are not omnipresent. In other words, angels can't be, you know, an angel can't be in more than one place at one time. You see this in Daniel 10. You see an angel here, and then he has to be released so he can go over here, and he delivers a message, and he goes over here. So angels move under the command of their commander-in-chief who is Jesus Christ, but uh, they are not omnipresent. They're not everywhere, even though there are angels around us even now. They are not all the same. Uh, angels look differently. If you look at the angels just described in the Bible, you'll see some that have, you know, very strange appearance, you know, multiple heads and so on like that. Others have multiple wings. Others, you know, have, have flaming swords. Others are brilliant lights. You know, there, there's, there's different uh, appearances to angels. There are certainly also different ranks of angels. In this passage, Michael is called the prince angel. Uh, in Jude, he's called an archangel. So even if we looked at last week in Ephesians 6, there seems to be this rulers, authorities, powers. There seems to be this understanding of some kind of ranking of, of the unseen world. And so I believe that is the case uh, with angels. Uh, angels, they do not know the future any more than you and I know the future. They don't know when Christ will return. There's some limitation to what they know. 
in limitation to what they understand. They, while they are powerful, they are not all powerful. Second Peter uh, 2.11 describes their limitation. They're not all powerful, only Christ is all powerful. Uh, they cannot read minds. Uh, it's a question that a lot of people have asked, can angels and demons read my mind? Uh, it's a common question. The Bible uh, specifically states that only God knows the thoughts of a man or a person. So he knows your thoughts from afar. When you stand, you sit down, where you lie down, he knows everything about you. Jesus seemed to understand as a God man, he seemed to understand the thoughts of people that were around him. But there's no indication that angels read our minds or that demons read our minds. They also, another uh, uh, misunderstanding is the fact that humans don't become angels. I mean, let's just put that one to rest right now, okay? There are a lot of people say, oh, well, so-and-so, they died early. God just needed another great, mighty angel in heaven. Eh, wrong. Thanks for playing. That's not in the Bible. Humans are humans. Angels are angels. The humans don't become angels. In fact, the Bible does say in, in Psalm 8, verse 5, and Hebrews 2, 7, that that man is made a little lower than the angels in the sense that we are limited in, in our physical bodies in a physical world. But uh, those who are in Christ, when, they, when we get to heaven, actually, it, First Corinthians says that we will rule over angels and we will judge angels. So we'll have an elevated position. Why? Because angels are not the redeemed. Angels are created and they do what God tells them to do, but they never fully understand and never can personally appreciate what it means to have been sin, uh, to sin and then to be forgiven and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's only for us. And I think they marvel at us because of that. But while they do have limits, uh, many times angels can surprise us. In Hebrews 13 verse 2, it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So I guess that's a good reason to just be nice to everybody, right? Just be nice to everybody because you never know, you may be entertaining an angel unaware. So this is what angels are. They're created beings. They have limitations, but Sometimes they can cross our paths and we don't even know it. So what do angels do? That's an even better question. What do angels do? Well, let me give you a couple things that angels do. First thing, angels are messengers. The Bible says that angels are messengers. In fact, the, the, the word angel in both the Greek and the Hebrew are translated messenger. That's what they are. In fact, in Daniel 10, we see an angel coming to Daniel, and he's a messenger. He's bringing a message to Daniel about a revelation of something that will happen in the future. So many times when God wants to reveal a message or deliver a message, he will send one of his messengers, his angels. We see this particularly in the life of Jesus. When Jesus was born and Christ came into the world, what did he do? He sent an angel. An angel that appeared to Mary. An angel appeared to Joseph. An angel that appeared to the shepherds out on the fields, declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. When Christ was risen from the dead, it was an angel that appeared to the women at the empty tomb and saying, he is not here, he is risen, just like he said. 
When he ascended up into heaven, all the disciples are watching Jesus go up into heaven. It was an angel or angels that appeared to them and said, why are you looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come again in like manner, coming down from the skies. And of course, when Christ returns, the angel is going to be very, very busy. There's a lot of angelic activity when you read the book of Revelation about what happens in heaven and how Christ will come with all of his mighty angels to the earth and they'll gather up the people of God from the four winds of four corners of the earth and gather it up to be with him. So with a shout and with a trumpet, the angels will be involved in the coming of Christ. So, so really... Angels are messengers. They, they simply do what God tells them to do. They declare what God tells them to declare. Uh, they don't speak on their own authority. They speak only on the authority given to them by Jesus. So angels are messengers. Second thing angels are is they are ministers. They're ministers. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, did you get that? The, by the way, the, the way it's written, the implication is yes, all right? He's asking a question, but the, question, the answer is yes. He's like, aren't all angels ministering spirits sent to minister to those who inherit salvation? Who are those who inherit salvation? Well, they're Christians, right? Those who have come to faith in Christ. So angels are really created, and part of their job is to minister to you, to minister to believers, you say, well, wow, okay. Well, what, how do angels minister to Christians? How do they minister to believers? Well, in several ways. Let me give you a couple of them. Uh, they minister by watching us, by watching us. Angels have a ministry of observation, a ministry of watching over, a ministry of watching after. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 9, we have been made a spectacle to the whole world, to angels as well as the human beings. In other words, Paul was saying all the stuff that we've gone through, all the trial and the trouble that we've gone through, it's not only been seen by humans, but it's seen by angels. The angels are watching. The angels are observing. You say, well, you mean angels are watching me right now? Yeah, they're watching you right now. That's kind of creepy. Why are they watching me? Well, it's for the second reason, because they're protecting us. They're watching over to protect. Think about Daniel, the one that wrote this, uh, had this vision. In the book of Daniel, remember when Daniel was thrown into a lion's den to be eaten alive? What a horrible way to die, right? To be thrown in a place and be eaten alive by lions. And yet it was an angel that shut the lion's mouth. Think about Peter when he was put in prison and being held and he was going to be executed the next day. And it was an angel that delivered him out of that prison miraculously and brought him back to the church. Think about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, holding infant Jesus. And when the Herod's armies came marching in to take the child's life, it was an angel that woke him up and an angel that led him out to flee to Egypt. And then an angel that told him it was okay to come back. There's this watching over, guarding over to protect us. Now, many people say, well, do I, does that mean I have a guardian angel? Does the Bible say we have, each of us have guardian angels? Unfortunately, there's no passage that says that every one of us has a guardian angel and they don't get wings when a bell rings either. Sorry about that. Uh, but angels are guardians. That's what they do. 
So listen, that's good news for some of you. Some of you don't just need one guardian angel. You need a whole crop of them, right? You need a whole unit of angels watching over you and, guard, and guarding you. So angels watch us. They protect us. Here's another one. They guide us. Think about Philip in the New Testament, this great leader of the early church, and it was an angel that guided him out to a desert road in the middle of nowhere, only to intercept a chariot that was coming through with a man from Ethiopia on it, and he shared the gospel, and that man took the gospel to Ethiopia. He was a guiding, the angel guided him into that encounter. Not only guiding, but they have a caring ministry to us, the angels care and minister to us. It's interesting, at least twice in the gospel, you see Jesus uh, being ministered to by angels. One of them was when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And after he was withstood the temptation, it says angels came to him and ministered to him. Another one was in Gethsemane when he was wrestling with this idea of the cross and kind of the last moment for him to walk away. And yet he said, not my will, but yours be done. The angels ministered to him in Gethsemane. So angels have this caring, ministering um, part to their job description. Angels also have a ministry of transporting us to heaven. Angels are the ones that take you when you pass from this life into the presence of Christ. They're kind of God's Uber, all right? They pick you up and they personally deliver you to the presence of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that going to be a great ride? Personally delivering you. I think about sometimes soldiers when they are escorting a, a fallen soldier and they will sit on a plane and there will be a solemn moment as that soldier escorts that casket until it is delivered to the family. In many ways, we have angels that are escorting us as one of God's very own children into his very presence. So angels are ministering spirits. They have, they, they're certainly messengers, but they're also ministers. Now you may be thinking this, you may be saying, Craig, you know, that sounds really good. And I know that happened back in Bible times, but that doesn't really happen today. I mean, I don't really see any angels around. Certainly that, that doesn't really happen today. But I think angels, personally, I believe angels are much more active than you and I give them credit for. And by the way, that's okay. They're not supposed to get credit. They're just supposed to do what God tells them to do, right? They're not supposed to be our focus. Christ is our focus. But I believe that they're more active than we may even understand. I remember when uh, Liz's grandmother uh, was dying in the nursing home and um, she was very, very near death. The night, in, during the night, a man that was in the same nursing home, just a couple of doors down on the same wing, was wrestling in the night. He couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, was tossing and turning. Finally, he got out of his bed and slid onto his wheelchair and wheeled himself out into the hallway. And he positioned himself looking down at Granny's room. It was in the middle of the night. And so the nurse came by. She said, Mr. So-and-so, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm fine. She said, uh, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just sitting here looking at Clarice's room. And then he turned to her and he said, you know, Clarice, she's going to pass away. And the nurse said, yes, I know. She's very sick. And he said, I saw the angels coming in and out of her room. Sure enough, that next morning, she went home to be with Jesus. Now, if you ask that guy, are angels real? I think he would tell you they are. 
I remember being in, uh, in, in Jerusalem, in the old city of Jerusalem in the Muslim district. And it was very, uh, it was getting dark and I was lost. I was with the, another guy and we were trying to get to a spot and before it got too dark. And, and so it was, it's like a maze of roads and dead ends. And of course, all the street signs are in Arabic. So you don't really know where you are. And I, we were going down a road, trying to get to a spot. And as we were moving kind of rapidly down this road, uh, I heard some shouting and some commotion up ahead, but we didn't, it didn't stop us. We kept moving forward and a young boy just literally cut us off in mid-stride and said in English, where are you going? And we said, well, we're, we're trying to go over to this other place. And he said, uh, don't go this way. It's dangerous. Follow me. And, I, and a lot of times, you know, young boys will try to guide you and then get you for money, right? And so I said, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to pay you anything. He goes, no, it's dangerous. Follow me. No money. Just follow me. And he took off another way. So we like kind of looked at each other and go, okay, I guess we'll go. So we followed this guy and sure enough, he went around, circumvented the problem and pointed out where we were supposed to go. And I turned to my buddy and said, well, I guess we'll go this way. And when I turned back around, he was gone. Was that an angel going before us? I don't know. I guess I'll find out one day. But I do know this, if you think about your life, there may be some stranger that appears and then is not there any longer. Maybe, maybe some, uh, some accident and you escaped unharmed. How, how do you explain that? I believe that God uses angels to care and protect and guard and watch over just as he said in his word. Angels are messengers. Angels are ministers. Let me give you one more. Angels are warriors. They're warriors. They're God's mighty army. In uh, Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, you who are his angels, praise the Lord. You are the mighty warriors who do what he says and who obey his voice. You, his armies, praise the Lord. Angels are God's army, poised and ready for battle. And certainly they're gonna come with Christ when he comes to get us and, and they're gonna be active in battle. But they're, listen, they're actually in battle right now. That's what Daniel shows us when he peeled back the veil that there's a spiritual cosmic battle happening right now. This, this angel that appeared to Daniel said he had been battling, he had just come off the battlefield with the prince of Persia. Now, who is this? Who's the prince of Persia? Well, most... Uh, most scholars believe that this is not a human, all right, because a prince of Persia is not going to withstand an angel, much less to fight against Michael, an archangel, for multiple days. There's no human like that. So most believe that this is a reference to a demonic spirit or a demon. The prince of Persia, maybe the demon that was influencing the literal prince or the king of Persia. Now, that kind of brings the question, well, what are demons? What are demons? Well, demons are uh, angels who rebelled against God and followed Satan, who was an angel himself. Some demons, the scripture says, are right now in chains, waiting judgment. Others, probably the majority of them, are still out and about uh, trying to direct people away from Christ and to facilitate evil on the earth and to harass believers. That's what angels, I mean, that's what demons uh, do. Now, some people have asked the question, uh, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And that's, a, that's an important question. So I want to answer it very clearly. No. 
A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. And here's why. Because when you give your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. The scripture says, is not your body the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14 says that when you heard the gospel and believed, you received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of things to come. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. However, a, demon, a, a Christian can be demon-oppressed or demon harassed and we certainly see that in the life of the apostle paul where he was harassed by a thorn he called a thorn in flesh this 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 demonic influence that was trying to hinder him uh and i believe even christians today have to battle against some of the harassment of demons to accomplish the things that god has called us to do but listen we don't need to be afraid we don't need to be afraid we have christ in us the hope of glory right we have the spirit of god within us and we have his angels protecting us. You know, I think about, when I think of angels, I think a lot about the secret service. Or I have a friend of mine that works in the secret service and, and he'll tell me about how they spend all this time, you know, kind of planning, you know, to pr protect the president when he goes into a certain venue. They've already gone before, they've already checked everything. They have three and four and five option plans to make sure that he's all protected. They're not just protecting the president, they're protecting his family. If he were to adopt a child, they would also protect that child as well because their job is to protect, to be unseen and yet to protect protect the president and to intervene if necessary. And I believe that's exactly what angels do. Angels are like God's secret service, right? They're unseen. <laughs> I don't see them. That's right. They're unseen, but they're busy and they're at work and they're, their umbrella of protection extends to all who are in God's family. And that's you. And that's me. I remember when uh, our youngest daughter was little big girl and she had uh in her room this big window it's kind of like three panes i mean it was kind of a big big window and out in front of her window were these two cypress trees they were about 10 feet tall and so at night the 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 light the street light out in front would kind of cast shadow these cypress trees into her bedroom and uh, she was real scared one night and I went in talked to her, laid down with her, said, Daddy, I'm just really scared. And I said, well, you don't need to be afraid. Jesus is with you and he's watching over you. You don't need to be afraid. And, and she said, I know. And I pray with her. And I, I said, um, I said, you see the uh, shadows on, on, on your wall? And the cypress tree, they looked really big. I mean, <laughs> the way the light hit them, they looked really huge. I said, those are your angels. And they're on guard and they're watching you. And they're not going anywhere all night long. They're there by Jesus' command to protect you. So you don't need to be afraid. Just go sleep. She's like, really? So when after I left, she said she would lay there and go, they're still there? Okay. They're still there? Now listen, were those shadows the shadow of angels? No. But they were there. The angels were there. Watching, guarding, protecting caring. That's their ministry to those who know Jesus. So what is our takeaway from what the Bible says about angels and demons? What, what should we take away? Let me give you two things that I think are really important, and I really cannot stress these enough. Here's the first one. Don't open yourself up to attack. Because the battle is real and because there truly are demons and there truly are angels and there truly is this cosmic battle going on, you should not ever open yourself up to 
exposure to demonic influences. You know, uh, I just, uh, after our second service, I talked to a, a man who's in uh, uh, law enforcement. He said he just came back from a briefing about mass shooters. He said that they, in all their research and study, they've, they've learned that those who are uh, young adults or, or teenagers that are involved in mass shootings, almost every single one of them going back multiple decades, there was before that event an, an immersion in demonic movies, games, video games that just darkness enveloped them. Listen, you do not need to give the devil a foothold in any part of your family. So, so as a child of God, let me just tell you, this is just Craig speaking, but I am your pastor and I'm speaking as your pastor, okay? As a child of God, you got no business watching anything, watching, being entertained by, goofing around with, playing with the demonic. Though we do not fear them, we should not give them any attention. Our focus is on Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our devotion is to Jesus and not to them. And so you don't need to be an animal. I'm going to go over and cast this one. I'm going to do that. No, just leave them alone. And you set your eyes on Jesus Christ. And the same is true for angels. Angels have no business getting your attention either. You know, the Bible says, Paul warned us that even uh, Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. So we don't need to give angels our attention by trying to contact them or pray to them or hope that they, don't worry about it. You just, the angels will do what they're commanded to do. They don't need your help. Amen. You just focus your eyes on Jesus. You just be committed to the mission of Jesus and he will make sure they do what they're supposed to do. So guard yourself. Guard yourself against, we live in, in dark times and, and much of what is out there to be entertained by and to watch online and so on is dark and evil. Keep yourself from it. Second thing is be a person of prayer. Be a person of prayer. And here's why I say this, because I love verse 12 in Daniel 10. Back to Daniel 10, verse 12. The angel appears to Daniel and this is what he says. I have come because of your prayers. Think about that. I mean, God loved Daniel and he heard Daniel's prayer. And in response to Daniel's prayer, he sent an angel. Now, many times when we think about praying, we think, well, all I can do is pray, you know, as if praying is a little thing, as if praying really doesn't amount to much. And sometimes you may even think to yourself, well, why even bother praying? I don't, I pray, but I don't know if God's ever doing anything. But if we could see behind the veil that God is moving in response to your prayers. And who knows when you're saying, Lord, I pray for you to protect this person as they travel. Or Lord, I pray that you would move in this person's life. Who knows at that moment, he may dispatching angels to do his work and to do his bidding in response to your prayers. So pray. Be people of prayer. Keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your feet to the mission. Don't be, don't be ignorant of these things. Don't be enamored with these things. Keep your eyes on Christ and be a person of prayer and God will go before you and use you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? You know, one of the big distinguishing marks between angels and demons is that angels obey God and demons chose to disobey God. Angels love God and demons hate God. Angels surrender to God and demons 
refuse to surrender to God. And you have the same choice with one difference. When the demon said no to God and rebelled, there was no hope for them. There was no opportunity for forgiveness, no opportunity to be, to be redeemed. But you have that hope. You have that opportunity. Because that's why Jesus came. Jesus, God's son, came to this earth to reveal the Father to us, to reveal who God is. He said to see me is to see the Father. And then he went to the cross and on the cross he paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin. And when he died and he took your sin to the grave, he was paying for it in full. Your sin required death and Jesus died in your place. And when he rose again from the dead, he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered Satan, he conquered evil. And he offers you a chance to be made right with God, to be forgiven, to love him and to serve him and to surrender to him. And you have that chance right now. Do you know Jesus? Have you given your life to Christ? Has he cleansed you of your sin and made you right? And if not, if you go, well, Craig, I don't know. I, I kind of, you know, I'm try, I believe in God. I'm gonna ask you that. Have you given your life to Christ? Has he changed your life? If not, this is your opportunity. In this still moment, you can pray and ask Christ to come in your life. So with your heads bowed, no one looking around. If God's pulling at your heart and you need to come to faith in Jesus today, then you can pray the simple prayer with me. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. And I believe you rose again in power. And I believe only you can save me. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. Please make me a new person in you. Today I put my trust and faith in you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace, and for your mercy in my life. Father, I thank you for your unfailing love for us. Lord, if we could see with spiritual eyes just for a second, our lives would, our perspectives would be so different. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live with eternity in mind every single day. Thank you, Lord, for, for the gospel. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have in your word. Lord, I pray as we go today into this week and we go into our jobs and our schools and our campuses and the places where you have us, Lord, I pray that we would go as bright lights in a dark world, like stars in the sky that shine with the love of Jesus, that do not fear 
the things we do not see, but trust the one that we put our faith in, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. Empower us now for this week ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, let's thank God for his word today, all right?